right, hello and welcome to yet one more episode of the MMA Reaction. I am your host, Equoy Ivy, and uh, let's get started. First and foremost, UFC Fight Night, Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm going to cover, just do a, re a quick recap, and if I have some interesting thoughts, I will share them. Um, first up, uh, Justin Gaethje defeats James Vick. First round, KO, 127 of round one. Uh, I don't think I'm in the minority in saying that this was not the predicted outcome. I mean, Gagey barely took any damage. He had like a, a little bit of redness and swelling on his left eye. So Vic might have got one or two in, but that was super quick, super powerful, and for me, unexpected. Uh, I'll be the first one to admit that I did not see that fight going on. I really thought that Vic was gonna uh, was gonna was gonna beat up Gaethje. I felt like, I felt like at, before the fight, I felt like Vic was really, Vic was really, this was going to be his coming out party, so to speak. Where I thought this was going to be his announcement to the top tier of the lightweight division, and Justin said, "Nah, motherfuckers, I wanna, I'm still here, I'm still top, top, top in the weight class. At least, at least, um, I'm kissing the top five for sure. He looked great, man." Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I changed my mind. You know, I had made some comments about how Justin Gaethje's style doesn't lend itself to world championships. I still, I still hold on to that. I still believe that. But um, at the very least, Gaethje is going to be around for a while. He's going to give us. He's the highlight for the reason. Everybody likes watching him. I like watching him. I love to watch him fight, in fact, um, because you know what you're going to get with him. You know exactly what you're gonna get all the time, and uh, and I love him for that. And congratulations on him. We'll see what happens next. Um, is he gonna go rematch uh, his losses with uh, Poirier or Eddie Alvarez? I'd, I'd I'd love to see those fights again too. Um, I don't know that the outcomes would be any different, but at least they were, you know, fairly competitive. Um, so I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, second fight, uh, second to the, the co-main event was Michael Johnson versus uh, Andre Feely. Michael Johnson got a decision. Now, whether you think that uh, Feely got robbed or whether you think Michael Johnson was the rightful winner, it doesn't, it's not really important. It's a really close, close contest, in my opinion. It wasn't, um, I mean, I've only watched it once, to be fair. But I don't remember, I don't recall any one moment in this fight where I was like, oh, that's for sure Feely's round. Oh, that's for sure Michael Johnson's round. Or uh, Michael Johnson for sure did enough to win that fight or vice versa with Feely. I, was, I wasn't surprised. I thought, I thought if, I'm a, if, I'm, if I put my judge cap on, which I'm not qualified to do, but if I was to put my judge cap on, I would have given it to Feely. I thought Feely did enough to win. It was a very... Uh, I mean, I don't want to say it was a point fight, but it was, it just, it was very tick for tack. You know, I felt like it was a pretty even fight. Um, more disappointing uh, was Andre going on social media and, and still calling Michael Johnson a bitch and he hits like a bitch. And um, that's an unfortunate side effect of the game. And uh, the, I, at first I didn't, I didn't see it. Like he had made a comment about how he had, um, he felt like he got robbed and yada, yada, yada. He's kind of feeling sorry for himself. And then in the very like bottom, that's when he put in Michael Johnson, you still hit like a bitch and you are a bitch or something along those lines. And I think today in professional sports, 
Uh, it's important to understand that if you're a professional, you need to act like a professional. I don't believe that that's a professional way to handle a loss. I think the best way to handle a loss is the way that Demetrius Johnson handled his loss from the weekend prior. Also, you have to understand that these guys are fighters. They're fighters for a reason. They're generally emotional guys. They're generally charged guys. So uh, I think sometimes we got we got to give these guys some slack as well and just let them express themselves how they want. But nonetheless, Michael Johnson gets the decision when uh, it's his first fight at 145 pounds. And I was looking at it. He looked. I didn't realize it was. I didn't really, like. I didn't consider the fact that it was at 145 pounds and that Michael Johnson. I was like, man, Michael Johnson looks ripped. He looks like he's in really good shape. And then I realized that he's got 10 pounds less than normal on him. So uh, we'll see what is next for him. I mean, Michael Johnson is a, is is a very 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 good fighter, and I'd imagine that he can give a lot of guys trouble at uh, featherweight. So good for him. Uh, Courtney Casey beats Angela Hill by the split decision. I feel terrible for Angela Hill. She can't ever seem to get on the right side of a decision. She's struggled just to just put wins together in the UFC. And now remember, she was the, the Invicta champion not that long ago. I mean, she's a really good fighter, and she just cannot get on the right side of a win. I feel terrible for her. But uh, congratulations to Courtney Casey. She gets the job done. Uh, Brian Barbarina beats up Ellenberger f- First round, TKO. I don't think that surprised anybody. Uh, Ellenberger also announced his retirement, left his gloves in the ring. Thank you, sir, for all your uh, hard work and service in the in the cage for us. Um, I remember, like, one of Jake's very early fights where he, I think it was, I think it was against Carlos Condit, actually. Uh, it's one of his first ones, and it was against Carlos Condit, and nobody knew about Ellenberger and what he was capable of, and, and uh, he nearly, nearly uh, knocked out Carlos. I mean, nearly, nearly won that fight, and would have been a, a big, big upset. So, uh, we'll we'll see what's go- what, what what comes forward for Ellenberger in the future. Uh, Davison Figueredo beats John Moraga now. I had mentioned before that this fight, I didn't even know who this Davison guy was. I know who he is now. This motherfucker looks like a savage at 125 pounds. He looks physically strong. He looked way stronger than Moraga, even though they were similar sized. He just, he uh, had his way with Moraga and uh, ended up putting him away with body punches. Um, TKO round two, good for him. I'm excited for him, see what he does in that, uh, in a division that really needs um, really needs, really needs some uh, up and coming prospects. Um, Eric Anders beats Tim Williams, uh, face kick KO. This was man. Eric Anders is a good prospect. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously he's not he's not he's not fighting the creme de la creme of the middleweight division. However, the guy packs a punch, man, and, and he's an interesting personality. Your boy, I like him. Um, he. Kicked Tim Williams' head off his shoulders. Uh, Williams was on, like, got knocked down or tripped or fell or something like that. And as he was getting up, just as just as his hands were off the mat, he got soccer kicked in the face and out cold. That was uh, it was a dope move by him. Good for him. Congratulations. Uh, James Kraus beats Warley Alves, and I kind of I was kind of thinking that Warley might win this fight, but I tell you one thing about Kraus is that he. He was very smooth in his in his uh, punching combinations. 
he had zero load up, but he also wasn't he wasn't trying to hit power. He was literally just hitting to well, not to get points, but he was he was just he was uh, he wasn't looking for a knockout. He was just looking for to pepper, to pepper, to pepper. And eventually, uh, he did enough of that soft enough of Warley that he got a couple good shots and then get a, t- a standing TKO. Warley did not go down, and the the ref just stopped it from just taking consistent damage. But he wasn't able to actually put Warley on the on the canvas. But good for James Krause. It was a good fight. Uh, Corey Sandhagen beats Yuri Alcantara, and I thought Yuri was going to win, and Yuri damn near did win this fight in the first round uh, with a. A seemingly completely textbook sunken armbar, where like if you watch the fight back, you can see Sanhagen's arm literally be inverted, bent in the wrong direction, and he doesn't tap. Somehow he doesn't tap, and he gets out of it, and then ends up beating the fuck out of Yuri with TKO strikes with the same arm he just dislocated. Uh, Sanhagen said he's not super flexible, but he did hear it pop or whatever. I don't know how much of that's true or how I don't know, but it was a damn good fight and good for uh, Sanhagen. You gotta bring a sledgehammer in there to kill him apparently so i was very impressed uh angelo sanchez beats up marcus perez by decision no big deal uh mickey ball mickey gall excuse me gets back in the win column column with a rear naked choke uh beats george sullivan that was pretty dope did it in fucking 69 seconds uh one side note that i thought was pretty hilarious was that uh mickey gall's basically been um living and staying with with uh joe Schilling, who's a who's a top level kickboxer and he's getting back in mma for bellator but anyway he let the instagram post that said like you know six weeks of of striking training and he ended up choking the guy on 69 seconds i thought that was pretty funny uh joanne calderwood beats uh calindra fiera by decision drew dober beats john tuck and hani yaya man the guy's been fighting forever he actually got a first round submission heel hook uh over luke Sanders. So I think overall is a pretty good card for a free fight. Um, I, I was uh, thoroughly uh, impressed with some of these guys, and I was entertained. Um, didn't do great. I think I, I thought. I think I saw a metric today said it was only they only had about five hundred and thirty nine thousand viewers at any given time. Um, so I don't know what's going on with viewership or if it's all uh, whatever. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I thought it was a pretty good card. And I was pretty happy with it. Okay. So we got some controversy in the Jackson Wink era. So uh, most of you guys, I'm assuming, uh, probably are keep up with the JRE, JRE podcast. And anyway, Donald Cerrone was on there. Full disclosure, I have not listened to the whole interview. I just listened to a tiny little tidbit. I'm going to be getting into it. But uh, Donald is making news as he kind of uh, was pretty unhappy with uh, the Jackson Wink's camp. Uh, it sounds like he's no longer going to be training with them at all. He's going to move back up to Denver. Uh, that's where he's originally from. Um, and essentially, he was blaming Winklejohn for uh, many issues with the camp. Um, the, the root of the problem, at least from what I'm hearing, is that Mike Perry trains at Jackson Wink. Well, he's fighting Mike Perry. So he had came to, he went to uh, Jackson and Winklejohn and said, hey, um, you know, Mike. Mike's only been here for one camp previously. He's calling me out. We fight the same camp. I don't want him to. I don't want him to train at this camp for this fight. Uh, he can come back when we're done fighting. But you guys, as respect to me for being here for so many years, I want you guys to uh, not let him fight here and just train me. Uh, apparently, 
Winkle John said, well, it shouldn't matter, blah, blah, blah. So they, they basically, according to Cerrone, they chose Perry over him, uh, even though it was also stated that Greg stated that he would go to Cerrone's own little gym, the, the Bad Motherfucker Ranch, and train him individually. Uh, sounds like he's pretty pissed off about it. Uh, ironically, I did see a... Um, Diego Sanchez posted a video of the interview or the, the podcast where Soroni was talking about the wrestling coach is, is some uh, terrible coach from high school level that was caught selling the kids steroids or whatever. I mean, none of this is all proven or anything like that. Who knows? But I do find it interesting. He's, he's, he's basically made a lot of enemies in that camp and a lot of fighters are pretty upset with him. Um, so I think this will probably develop into quite a saga as it continues, but Cerrone's not one to give a fuck, and, and uh, if, if what he's saying is true, I kind of I side with him a little bit. I think uh, loyalty in this world in general is at an all-time low, and so if you put your, you put your, your hands in, in Cerrone's gloves, so to speak, I mean, I think a lot of fighters would say, hey, man, I, no disrespect to my opponent, but he's only been to this camp for you know one fight, I've fought the majority of my entire career here. Show me some loyalty. And I think that's really what it comes down to. But and nonetheless, interesting situation and, and, and something I didn't really see coming. Uh, so next up, we got a fight announced, which was actually a UFC 29. So October 6th, the same card of uh, McGregor and Khabib. Uh, Anthony Pettis is going to be fighting Tony Ferguson. Now, Pettis just came off a win, obviously. Um... A good win, an impressive win. So it was really good to see him uh, come back. Man, Tony Ferguson? Um, it's an interesting fight because what if... We don't know... There's a lot of variables in this fight. Namely, Ferguson and where his knee's at. One thing we know about Ferguson is he's a fucking savage. And he's also a... Uh, he's an individual who trains very hard and doesn't strike me as somebody who would get injured and not come back just as good as he ever was. Um, I, I don't see Ferguson having the mental issues that other fighters have coming back from an injury. Now, I don't know. We, we will find out pretty soon. Uh, but it's a very interesting fight with uh, Pettis coming back. And it's a real opportunity for Pettis to get right back to the top. Think about this. He was the lightweight champion in 2013. That's how long ago. That's how long ago he's a lightweight champ, 2013. It's almost five years ago, four and a half years, whatever the fuck it is. You know, in the game of MMA, man, it is, it is difficult to get back to the top. Very, very, very difficult. And uh, Pettis had, had given an interview, he talked about getting over the mental block. Uh, he says he's finally over it and he's ready to really uh, show everybody what he's got. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, just coming off the win with Michael Chiesa, um, do I favor Pettis to beat Ferguson? I, I can't do that. Of course I can't. You're talking about Ferguson's the very tippity top. I have to assume that Ferguson's going to come back just as strong as ever, if not stronger, and do what he does. Does Pettis have the skill? I think I think Pettis has the skill to beat anybody in the, in the lightweight division. Whether he'll do that against Ferguson or not, I don't know. But it's an interesting fight, and it's also risky for Ferguson because if Ferguson loses... It's just kind of like the, the with Poirier taking the fight um, with with uh, is it Kevin Lee? Who the fuck's he fighting? I can't remember. God damn it! I'm a fucking idiot. Um, the same thing with Poirier taking a fight outside of, of a championship fight where you could you really you're risking you're risking your your chance for a title, right? 
and, and I think Ferguson could potentially be in that same position if it happens. I think it's less likely. I think the likelihood of, of uh, oh, it's Nate Diaz. Fuck yes. So it, the likelihood of Poirier losing to Nate Diaz is more likely than the likelihood of Ferguson losing to Pettis. However, it is it is a very real possibility. Pettis is nobody to sleep on, and, he, and he's, pro- he has been, he's a former world champion uh, with a pedigree of, of really exciting fights. So I'm really looking forward to that. And we ain't got to wait that long. It's, it's a month away. Okay. Okay. Uh, Brendan Schaub is in the news again. Uh, seems like it's constant. Um, he is talking about the, well, more importantly, he's talking about he's talking about the Logan and KSI fight that was is a YouTube pay per view, and apparently that YouTube pay per view did almost I think almost eight hundred thousand buys on YouTube, and I don't know what the the price was because that definitely plays a factor. But when you consider just a few hours later. These, these aren't even running simultaneously. Just a few hours later, the UFC Fight Night card only pulled 540,000. So Brendan Shaw was kind of just took took UFC to task, saying that, that they don't. They just showed you how little effort the UFC puts in in promoting fights. Because if you have two guys who are YouTube personalities who have zero experience in actually promoting a fight, can get that many people to watch their shitty fight. And they didn't even have to. And they don't know what they're doing. The UFC has no excuse for not getting more viewers to these fights. And I think, I think it's a, you know, it's a fairly accurate statement. Um, the UFC should put more money into, or more time, of course, money too, into promoting their fights. I think the issue be is that there's so many motherfucking fights. You think like we got a pay per view card on the eighth of September. Then we got another one on the six, so they're spending a lot of time promoting those cards. So these fight night cards, they kind of, they kind of don't get the promotion that they deserve. Even though you got Justin Motherfucking Gaethje and James Vick fighting on the headline of that card with a good co-main event, and you can't get you can't get a lot of promotion because you're too busy promoting all these other pay-per-views that are you know a week's week separation, right? Back in the day, back in my, my early days of, of following mixed martial arts. We had probably less than 12 pay-per-views a year and nothing was on TV. So when you were when you were waiting for these, you had literally three or four months in anticipation for for one fight card. And for me it was it was I was always a Pride guy. I wasn't really a UFC guy until they bought Pride in 2007. So I was always a Pride guy. And Pride they didn't have like a ton of shows. So I would have, you know two, three, four months to just be, just be keeping up with the pride MMA world and try and, and, and they really, you really got excited. You had that time for, for those, those matchups to salivate and you could think about them, but now you have so many fights so often it's very difficult to keep up with. I mean, a lot of times when I'm looking at these cards for the UFC, I don't even know half the roster. I just can't, for me, I don't have enough time in the world to catch up and, and know and understand every single fighter and every fight. Um, I, I think that's that's a big cause of why people like Paul Logan and this KSI kid can get 770,000 pay-per-view buys on YouTube. You also gotta remember, they have completely different audiences. The Logan Paul kid, he's, he's a YouTube guy and he, he has interesting, edited videos on YouTube. He's, he's not, it's not like he's pulling audience from an MMA audience. 
maybe maybe some of his fans or some of his subscribers on his YouTube channel, maybe they do follow MMA, but I think the vast majority of them are just general public. They're not they're not necessarily watching Logan Paul for the fighting. They're watching Logan Paul because he's Logan Paul and he's a, a famous YouTube person. So it, those numbers aren't. They shouldn't be represented as 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 matter of fact or for because it's not really fight people. Let's be real. How many of us fight fans actually watch that shitty boxing exhibition? Ex, exhibition. I mean, I didn't. I think the the of that seven hundred seventy thousand, maybe a few hundred thousand were fight fans, MMA fans. The rest of them are just going to be the followers of the two the two the two combatants, really, the two personalities. So um, it's interesting. I don't. I don't think that Shab is is wrong or by any means, and, and he has a, a a way a way a way more inside track than I would on that kind of thing. But I also think there's other variables as to why the numbers were larger than a fight night card. I mean, a fight uh, for a for a fight night card on Fox Sports One, that that six hundred thousand people that watched, those are all fight fans. Those are all those aren't like casual those aren't like your mom's Sunday night tea party ladies watching a fucking fight, right? Or or, or some a bunch of kids, right? Because I have to assume that if you're a YouTube subscriber, most of their subscribers are probably gonna be under the age of eighteen. I think for MMA and a UFC fight night card, all views are MMA fans. They're watching because they're tuning into the fights for a reason. And I think that needs to be spoken about. Okay. <laughs> uh, apparently, Darren Tills is uh, had enough of people uh, questioning him about his weight and then his weight cut, and uh, he had uh, told MMAfighting.com that he hated dieting and he's tired of eating healthy, but he just can't wait to fight so he can tell everyone to shut the fuck up or tell them to go fuck themselves, something like along those lines. Classic Darren Till. Um, Darren Till's big for 170. That's everyone knows that, but. He's only missed weight once, I think, in the UFC. So, I don't, I don't foresee him missing weight. Uh, side note to this, though, is that they've, they've, they've tasked uh, Usman as a alternate in case Till can't make weight. And Woodley came and said, "I'm not fighting Usman on any kind of notice. If you want me, I'm fighting Till. If Till can't make weight, then we're not fighting, and I'm not fighting." I think it's an interesting stance that fighters are taking now, where, where a few years back that would have never happened. It may be 10 years ago, but I don't know how long. But this is a new trend where fighters are going finally standing up for themselves and going, no, nah, man, I'm not taking a fucking short notice fight. I'm not doing it. I've prepared for this one person. I'm not going to, psychologically, I'm not going to put myself in that position where now I have to worry about variables that I didn't train for in camp. You have to remember that when you're going through your six-week, eight-week camp, you are specifically training for one style of fighter. What this guy's good at, what's he's bad at, where his holes are, where I need to stay out of because he's so strong. Or, you know, I need to stay away from his strengths and, and focus on my strengths and focus on his weaknesses. So if, if someone can't make weight and you don't want to do a catch weight or you don't want to take their purse or whatever the case may be, to take a replacement fight, now you're talking about all these same variables and different aspects and you have no time to train or prepare for them. This is a real factor that you have to consider. So I think for Tyron to say, hey man, I'm not fucking doing it. If Till can't make weight, we're not fighting and I'm not fighting. That's it, well, good for him. And that's his choice and that should be his choice and he shouldn't be uh, criticized for it. Because I, you know, we're talking, we're talking, this is his livelihood. You know, we're talking when you're getting paid championship money and to contender money, it's a big difference. It's a big difference. And I think, I think Tyron's really smart for that. 
<laughs> this was kind of interesting. So Floyd Mayweather offered an invitation for for Connor to fight in uh, to go fight or to go train at his boxing gym when he's in Vegas. And then classic Conor McGregor, Fook de Mayweather's, Fook de Mayweather's, except for Roger and Senior, apparently they're cool. So basically fuck Floyd Mayweather, which is, which I don't think, if I think from the outside looking in, you read that and go, wow, what a dick. Why would he, I mean, Floyd's obviously extending a, 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 an olive branch to him. Say, hey man, come train him. You're more welcome to train at my boxing gym in Vegas while you're here. And then Conor responds with, hey, fuck the Mayweathers. I think, I think it's a little tongue in cheek. I don't, I don't think Connor's being serious. And I also think that these two gentlemen, they're very similar. They have very similar drives. I think, I think it was more of like a, I don't, I think it was more of just fucking with Floyd. I think it was just being funny. I don't believe that it, it was being a legitimate, like, Hey, I fucking hate this guy because they just made the most money together ever. So I think that, I think it was a friendly, like, Busting your busting like when you bust your the balls of your friend like when you give your friend a hard time I think it's the same thing. So when he says fuck the May fuck the Mayweather's, I don't think it's uh I don't think it's like a a real negative thing. I think it's just that I think I think they're kind of friendly and I think uh, I think Floyd probably expected that kind of response out of him to be honest with you. Uh, but nonetheless, it's in the news and it's kind of funny. Um, so the beat. Mogomed, Mogomed Sharapov was supposed to fight Yair Rodriguez, which was, for me, one of the most anticipated fights uh, in a long time in, ter- in terms of prospects and, and trajectory for career, where these guys are going to go. I was very excited about that fight. Yair was hurt, of course, uh, so he needs a replacement. So it looks like uh, Brandon Davis is going to be uh, fighting Zabit. And to me, that's quite clearly a showcase sh- a showcase fight for Zabit. They're gonna. They're probably gonna put it on the pay per view because um, I think we all know that Zabit's trajectory in terms of the featherweight division is sky high. His potential is way up there, and and I I would. I'm very confident that Zabit is gonna be a title challenger, if not the title holder, for a while. I think this guy's really special, and and he's he's more than just a, a Russian wrestler, a Dagestani wrestler. He's a he can he can fight and do a lot of different things. He throws a lot of unorthodox strikes, a lot of flying strikes. Uh, he's a really really fun guy to watch, and I think that they're gonna basically they're basically throwing Brandon Davis to the wolves because um, I think if Brandon Davis beats the beat. Uh, <laughs> That would be like one of the most colossal upsets of all time, and it's going to crush the UFC because they're they're putting all their eggs in the Zabit basket right now, and they're going to showcase him. That's what I think. So good luck to Mr. Davis. Um, after uh, after Gaethje won, this is the next topic, obviously. Uh, after Gaethje won, he had, he had had made a comment, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you. They they asked him about uh, his his winning the bonus, his win bonus, or whatever. And and if you guys don't know, most contracts are structured where they're not flat fees. They're, for example, uh, Justin for is 110 to show up for the fight, and he gets another 110 if he wins. So you actually can make half your money if you don't win the fight. And so they would asked him about it in the post fight scrum, and he'd said this. It should get me, the win should get me a business meeting with the UFC. That's what it should give me. I want to fight the best. I'm happy with the UFC. I'm not unhappy with them, but the way I put it on the line, I need all my money up front. 
And that's how I should work for people like me. They should use me as an example. If you want all your money, you fight like Justin Gaethje. And what does he mean like that? Because he, this dude's a highlight reel, and he, and he fucking lives and dies on that fucking shield and that sword. And he's saying that why I'm, I'm gonna fight the same no matter what the, the contract is. So I should get that two hundred twenty thousand dollars whether I win or whether I lose. It's hard to argue that, and it's hard. It's really difficult to argue that. But I, I almost guarantee you. If if they structured a contract where they said, okay, Justin, you know, you won, you won your fight, so you get two hundred twenty thousand dollars. If if he wanted that to be in a flat fee, I promise you, it probably wouldn't be that two twenty. They're not going to give him a, a show a show money and win money in one flat rate. Should they? I think they should. I mean, I think at this point, MMA has advanced itself to where we should just be able to give these guys a flat fee. Win or lose, it's the best fighting the best. Pay that motherfucker the money and and give him a fucking bonus at the end of it. Give him an extra 50K if it's a if it's a knockout or a performance of the night or fight of the night, whatever it may be. Do that for this guy. I think I think the win the win loss, you know, show money, win money is an acceptable contract for, for entry level dudes. I think that's fine. Um, I think that's okay. There's arguments that it doesn't actually make fighters because they, well, here's the argument, right? So, if we have a win bonus, if you have the potential to make more money if you win, you're gonna fight harder. But I think the inverse is true because I think what it does is is these fighters depend on these salaries for months and months and months before the next fight. They have to. It's not like they just have a shit ton of money. They gotta budget that money to last months and months and months, where normal people budget for a couple weeks at a time. They got a budget for months. They got to make sure that money's there. So, just to, the 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 idea that they're gonna fight harder because they get more money if they win is is not really true. Because if they start fighting harder, that actually might open them up for mistakes, which may actually make them get caught or get get uh, you know TKO'd or submitted because of a mistake. Now they're half their money's gone. So I think they fight more cautiously, to be honest with you. I think they're less likely to fight like a Justin Gaethje because they, they, they don't want to risk half their money. I think just give them a flat fee and then a bonus if, if, if they win. I mean, we, we all know that the UFC is a private company, so they don't have to disclose what they actually pay. They only have to disclose what's on the contract to the athletic commission. But we know that there's, there's been a long storied history of the UFC giving undisclosed bonuses outside of what's you know completely quiet so i agree with gaethje man pay that pay that man the money he deserves so oh man chuck liddell and tito ortiz so apparently they've set a date um for november 24th and it's supposed to be in the forum in inglewood california um i don't know who else is on the card this is gonna be liddell and ortiz i had made a post uh, a few days ago about I think we've already seen this fight. Well, we have. We have. We've seen it twice. And um, Liddell, Liddell is the man. I think he's got Tito's number. The only factor being is that Liddell is uh, almost 50 years old. Oh, wait. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's almost 50. I could Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure he's almost 50 years old. And his chin's not where it used to be. And I don't say that in a negative. I, I fucking love Tito Ortiz was like the one guy in the UFC when I was watching fights that I would pay attention to. I love Chuck Liddell. Um, at one time he was, he was the man. And because of that, because of that reputation, I don't want to see him get beat up. 
I don't want to. I don't want to see Tito get beat up either. But I think Tito's in a better a better place physically. Uh, he's had a lot of history with like back and neck problems, but as of late, I mean, I think he's still physically held together a little bit better, and he's not quite as old. So the question being is, do we want to see this? I mean, am I going to watch this fight? A hundred percent, I am. You're not. I, there's no. I don't think there's a there's a MMA purist fan anywhere in the world that's not going to want to watch this fight. Because I'm for sure going to want to watch this fight. Um, but I don't know if I want to see the outcome. I don't really want to see either one of these guys get beat up. And maybe maybe it'll be a boring fight. Maybe they'll just kind of look like a sparring contest or something. But. Um, I don't know, man. There's definitely a market for it because they wouldn't be doing this fight if there wasn't. And I'm sure it'll get plenty of buys and it'll be interesting. But I just think I'm uh, for me, it's like watching my heroes get old and, and not fight like they used to. You know, I don't I don't like I don't want I want to remember them as I did, not as how they ended. And so many fighters end their careers looking old and tired with no chins. So many fighters in all combat sports. Um but maybe maybe I'm wrong and and uh, they'll they'll put on a, a hell of a performance and they'll both look like young men again. Um, I'm gonna watch it, of course I am. So I guess we'll uh, we'll see and and I'll report back on that. I'm sure. Um, all right, I think that's it, man. That's all. That's it. All I'm gonna talk about today. If you have any uh, refutes or questions or comments or debates for me or uh, topics you'd like to cover. Hit me up at the MMA reaction at gmail.com or you can hit me up on my Instagram page, which is at the underscore MMA underscore reaction. Um, other than that, I hope you guys have a good day, good week, and uh, I'll talk to you guys later.